Hello, coffee lovers. In between interviews on why we need to meet up over coffee, I'll share short episodes that delve into all things coffee. Think of them as a shot of espresso. Now here's your coffee culture short. I'm Holly Shannon. So um, I found this really, really cute, this really great article. So um, I wanted all my coffee lovers around me to to hear this. And the article is called um, Old Time Farm Crime, The Coffee Spies of the 1700s. Um, It was written by Andrew Amelinx in Modern Farmer. And so here we go. Enjoy your coffee break. Coffee, Java. Joe, whatever you call it, that ubiquitous brew that jumpstarts your morning was once the center of international intrigue. It's believed the shrub was first cultivated. Legend holds that Caldi, a ninth century goat herder, discovered the shrub's power after seeing his flock become energetic when they nibbled on its berries. I don't know about you, but I I pretty much feel like I see goats doing backflips right now. The story is apocryphal and doesn't appear to have been written down until close to 700 years later. Regardless, coffee's cultivation spread northeast from ancient Ethiopia to the Arabian Peninsula. By the 1600s, coffee consumption was wildly popular in Europe And coffee houses started springing up in London, Paris, Amsterdam, and elsewhere, and becoming important cultural, political, and financial centers that helped transform the continent. Um, I have an episode, actually, uh, that you can catch uh, that talks about cafes then then and now, and I'll put that in the show notes. So where is the potential for making money? And when that is available and one-upping your rivals, there will surely be an attempt at cornering the market. At the time, the Arabs had coffee cultivation tied up and the Europeans wanted a piece of the action. It was up to their spies to try and get the high-powered plant into their hands and into the ground in their various colonies. The Dutch were the first of the superpowers whose spies successfully stole aviable plant in 1616 from Mocha, the bustling port city and center of coffee trading in Yemen. Unfortunately, these spies' names have been seemingly lost in history, easy to understand since we are talking about secret missions here. And of course, social media didn't, wasn't around then, can't hide anything now. Luckily, there were two swashbuckling undercover coffee agents that we do know of, thanks to good old-fashioned self-promotion. Captain Mathieu Gabriel de Clou of France and Lieutenant Colonel Francisco, Francisco de Milo Paleta of Portugal helped their nations achieve a foothold in the fight to become coffee producers. First up, the Frenchman, Mathieu Gabriel de Clou. In 1723, de Clou was a naval officer serving as captain of infantry at Martinique. While on leave in Paris, he was struck by the idea that his island home would be the perfect place to cultivate coffee. The French king, Louis XV, had recently received a coffee plant from the Burgermeister, I can't even believe this word, of Amsterdam. And it was ensconced in the royal garden 
now known as the Jardin des Plantes in Paris. There are two versions of how Duclos gained possession of a coffee plant. The first involved a daring nighttime raid on the royal garden after Duclos failed to receive the king's permission to take a plant back to Martinique. The more reliable, but alas, less romantic version involves the intercession of a noblewoman who apparently had something on the royal physician, Pierre Chirac, and coerced him to swipe a cutting of the coveted plant for Duclos. Regardless of how the captain got this very valuable plant, the journey back to Martinique was an adventure in itself. According to De Clue, in a letter to the Anna Littérée, a literary and scientific periodical, he was forced to share his scanty ration of water with the coffee plant upon which my happiest hopes were founded and which was the source of my delight, quote unquote. On top of the lack of water for De Clue's coffee plant, and the jealous interlopers ripping off branches for the seedling, his, his ship was, was nearly captured by Tunisian pirates and was menaced by a violent storm. So crazy. He also had to fight off another passenger on the ship who, quote unquote, basely jealous of the joy I was about to taste through being in service to my country and being unable to get this coffee plant away from me, tore off a branch. On top of the lack of water, let's see, oh, sorry. Even while safely back on the island, the captain had to continue his vigilance. I feared many times that it would be taken from me, and I was at last obliged to surround it with thorn bush bushes and to establish a guard about it until it arrived at maturity. He also was menaced by a violent storm. Um, sorry, I, I went. I missed a little bit here, but... Nevertheless, the captain's instinct about the island's climate being well-suited to coffee cu cultivation was correct. He soon had about two pounds of coffee seed that he distributed across the island. From there, the crop grew almost exponentially, replacing the island's previous cash crop of cocoa. By 1777, there were close to 19 million coffee trees in Martinique, according to one historian. It should be noted that while several sources say De Clue was the first to bring coffee cultivation to the West Indies, and there's evidence that while he may have been the first to bring it to Martinique, the plant had already been successfully cultivated in the region prior to De Clue's epic journey. De Clue, who was born in Normandy in the late 1680s, died in Paris at age 88 after serving as governor of the Antilles. He would eventually be honored by his king, not the royal highness he likely pilfered the plant from, and his countrymen. Poems and songs were written that glorified his coffee-growing prowess, and a botanical garden in Martinique would later bear his name. Our second spy, another spy. Our second spy in the House of Caffeine, Francisco de Milo Palita, is credited with bringing the coffee-growing industry to Brazil. Palita's story is long on legend and much shorter on hard facts, but one shouldn't expect much clarity when dealing with a 300-year-old espionage case. It was 1727, and the Portuguese were hoping to bring coffee growing to Brazil, which at the time was still under their control. Paita, a lieutenant colonel in the Brazilian army, was commissioned by the government to steal a coffee plant from the French. Since that country 
and any others who had them refused to part with them, the perfect ruse presented itself when Brazil was asked to intercede in a border dispute in nearby French Guyana. Paita, then 57, went to the country's capital called Cayenne, where the pepper got its name, but that's another story, and helped resolve a land dispute between the adjoining French and Dutch colonies. While there, Paita set about trying to pilfer a coffee plant, but the much-prized crops were under constant supervision. Paita allegedly befriended, some sources say seduced, just saying, Marie-Claude de Vic de Pontebaud, the wife of the colonel governor. I love all this stuff. At a state dinner given on the eve of Paita's departure back to Brazil, his new lady friend presented him with a beautiful bouquet of flowers that contained cuttings of the coffee plant. It is here the storyline diverges on how he achieved his goal. The most common variation involves our hero using his roguish good looks and soft touch with the ladies to complete his mission. He allegedly befriended, some sources say seduced, Marie-Claude de Vic de Pontebaud, and he managed to quell the land dispute and get his valuable prize. So I'm just going to jump ahead here. Back home in Brazil, Paita began cultivating coffee in the state of Parai, and in seven years had about a thousand bushes growing, according to one account. Coffee production soon spread throughout the country, giving rise to an industry that continues to dominate world coffee production today. So the next time you stand in line at Starbucks, consider the nighttime raids, cloak and dagger intrigue, and dark games of espionage that went into allowing you to sip a latte while listening to late stage Bob Dylan. It'll help pass the time until the barista calls your name. So that's it, my coffee lovers. I wanted to read that story. Um, it's going to be on YouTube as well, um, which I mentioned. And I will also put a link to the actual uh, article because I just thought it was a really fun story. And this week, I will also have one other that is talks about present um, uh, farm crime in Ethiopia. So I thought they uh, paired together really well, a little then and now. Share your thoughts and ideas on coffee culture. You could put them in the reviews on Apple Podcasts or DM me on Instagram. And if you'd like to support an indie podcaster, there is a link in the show notes for buying me a coffee. Please subscribe and share a cup of coffee culture with your friends. This season is produced by Pale Blue Studios.